All right, welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. And today my guest is Julianne Reynolds, who is an award-winning international documentary filmmaker and photographer. She focuses on creating films about social causes like gender inequality and environmental issues. Julian and I have known each other for many years now, and we met at a festival called Bhakti Fest in the desert in California. I knew her as a filmmaker, and uh, we all sort of scrambled to um, navigate our way in that uh, interesting environment. Maybe we'll even talk about that. That would be fun. But some of the films that she's made around the divine feminine, and that's kind of what she's known for in the yoga community um, are really beautiful. And I wanted to have her on the podcast because I actually haven't had very many filmmakers on here. So I'm excited to get that visual perspective and welcome her to the Inspired Podcast community. So here we go. All right. Hey, Julianne. Hi, thanks. Thank you for having me on today. It's great to see you. It's It's been a while. And uh, yeah, we, we did meet at Bhakti Fest. Um, I hate to say like 15, maybe 15 years ago. <laughs> I think it's like... Yeah. I didn't off the top of my head. I could not really yeah, count. Yeah. But yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Ago. And Were you the first one? I did the first Bhakti Fest Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if we met there, but I was probably aware of you. I think I saw you filming. Yeah. 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 I, I I would say um, I I moved to Los Angeles with the uh, attention, a very Neptunian idea about being an actress, right? Oh, and yeah. um, but I was always a born artist. I was a painter. I got most artistic in high school. I wanted to go to art school in New York City, but my parents wouldn't let me go because it um they felt that would not direct put me in the right direction so i ha i had to go to a, a regular college the university of georgia and study um business and economics but i also studied photography and later on i studied film so we're an econ major yes yeah yeah oh, <laughs> I I would have never guessed that. That's amazing. Did you complete that? Yeah, yeah. It was a struggle. It took me um, five years to to finally graduate from uh, the University of Georgia because when I first got there, I was completely lost. I mean, I was fumbling around, um, wondering what I was doing there. Um, being from New Jersey, it was a completely different atmosphere, beautiful campus. And so it took me a while to find my way there. And, um, you know, just like uh, high school, you know, you have your groups of people, you know, you have your theater people. I was more one of those theater type of people. Like I wasn't a very outgoing person, but I did do cheerleading because my brother was in football, but I hated it. So I did it for my mom. So in any ways, when I, when I got to, when I got to Georgia, they had an amazing photography department and I loved it. So I studied photography there and they had a film department, but I didn't have the mindset then to study film because I just didn't. I grew up in a very conservative place, conservative family, and um, you really didn't steer off from a certain mindset of who you were supposed to be. So underneath me was this other hidden part. So it took me um, moving to Los Angeles 
Um, and um, I, it, it, I I was studying acting because um, I had been studying it in New York City, but and that's when I started getting my film um, hat on. Um, I was taking film classes at a local school here in New Jersey. It was soon after I had been sick for like three years, I had gotten Lyme's disease and I couldn't drive, I couldn't walk. And so I just watched movies all the time. And I thought, wow, I really wanna tell stories. And then once I started getting more mobile, I um, got a job at a local school in the um, library there. And I just read all the books on film and acting. And I thought, I thought maybe this is really the path I'm supposed to be on. And, um, you know, it's like the, the threshold of, you know, the hero's journey, right? Like maybe this is really what I'm supposed to be doing. So in any event, um, so that along the way, stumbling, you know, on the path, um, I ended up in Los Angeles and I was, I got like a small part on some soap opera, but I decided that wasn't for me. Like I didn't have the desire that you really needed to succeed at something like that. Or, and I also didn't have the confidence. So, and I was aware of that. And so at the time I had started a small uh, digital firm with some um, people from uh, ABC sports and um, we were working with Paramount pictures and uh, my friend lent me her camera and I, I uh, wanted to learn filmmaking to help with some of the advertising in my office. And I had um, some interns. Is that, with, the, is that what the firm was? Is it was an advertising firm? Um, it, this is, so this is, you know, like 15 years ago or more than that. It, this is prior to um the upstart of digital advertising. So we were the first people to work oh. with um, Paramount Pictures and to put digital plat plat oh. platform screens and advertise their movies. So I wasn't overly passionate about it, but it was interesting, you know, and I had the big dollar signs in my head and I thought, wow, like if this really works out and we sell this company, I'm going to be so rich and I'm, then I can find out who I am or follow my passions. So push comes to shove, um, my friend let me hear camera and I wanted to learn a little bit more about filmmaking because we had some editors uh, helping us cut the content and I really liked their vibe. Like they were very creative, thinking outside of the box that, you know, I had been on a few film sets, Hollywood film sets. And I, I just, I, I'm not throwing these as a judgment, you know, out to the wind, but a lot of the producers to me were I was unable to connect to them on a soul level, right? And they were very much, you know, um, treated me as if I was below them as a human being. Like, and I was such a creative person and so hungry to express my creativity. So, so anyways, I, I took the camera out and I started filming and I just never stopped. And then I ended up Bhakti Fest. And <laughs> I, I, I think that moment of filming a, I think it was a, a, a confluence and a combination of finding both my passions, which is the visual pass, passion, the filmmaking, the storytelling, how to tell it um, visually. And then prior to Bhakti Fest, I'd been in a yoga teacher training for three years with Shiva Ray and Saul David Ray. And so I'd been also traveling um, all throughout the United States assisting him. I've been to India filming. 
So it was like the universe, you know, I was so true to what my heart and soul wanted to express. So, and that's how I ended up um, combining my passion for consciousness, um, yoga, um, also healing, you know, and, um, and creating stories around it. And I remember at the time, um, I, the, the company had started fell apart and it, it, you know, like on the hero's journey, you have to have these thresholds where you lose everything, right? You lose all your money, you lose your job, you lose your identity, you know, and then you're stuck with nothing. Right. And then you have to, then you have to really show up to the universe. Like, okay, I really I'm passionate about this filmmaking, this documentary filmmaking. And I want to tell these stories. And I want to tell these stories because I not only want to learn about myself and transform, but I know this is like, I want to help other people. I want to be in service to something bigger than me. And so I remember like writing on my, with lipstick on my mirror, like the last night before I left my apartment, I put yoga and film. That's what I want to do. So, and I, you know, it's been an interesting journey and there's been a lot of different thresholds and challenges to meet parts of myself that um, I might not have found before, you know, like the parts of me that are hidden, like, um, you know, confidence has always been a struggle for me. Um, I think, uh, I think a lot of uh, artists probably might struggle with that if they weren't brought up in a family that, that taught them how to appreciate what their gifts are. Yeah. yeah. And so, I, I wanted to ask a, a question too. Yeah. You went by it, but when, so when you came to Bhakti Vest, did you come as a filmmaker for Saul or did you come from no. Sridhar, the producer? Purdue, I met Sridhar through Saul and he, oh, he hired me. Yeah, okay. he hired me. Oh, and that first Bhakti Fest changed my life. It did. Okay. Yeah, I remember that. I, I I filmed everything and I photographed everything. It was just such a magical experience. You know, it's it was a threshold. Yeah. Because you know, the thing is to learn an art form, you can't intellectualize it. You have to do it because that's how you and you never really master it because you're evolving with your art form, you know, whether it's music or writing or film or photography. You know, to me, it's an infinite space for endless um, parts of yourself to be explored. And that can be daunting and scary too. And then you and vulnerable, like it's an intimacy with your soul in a way. Yeah. Coming yeah. back to that confidence thing. It's so funny because I, I went to my first like major, major concert. I went to an Alicia Keys concert the, the last week and I, I'd never been to like a like top 40 like concert i've i've always oh, gone to, like smaller artist concerts yeah, but I, yeah. I went to it and like watching her i was like holy shit like god when i come back next time can i come back with that much confidence <laughs> like it was just her confidence level is just off the charts it's like oozing from her it's crazy and what's really interesting is is that she's not really I mean, she's special in the sense that she's a human being, and I think we're all special, but there yeah. are so many people who are as talented, if not more talented than she is, but she just owns who she is so beautifully. So it just, it like kept reflecting back to me. It's like, no matter what you have, you can 
have that much confidence about who you are. It has nothing to do with, you know, with how quote unquote good you are. It's like, it's right. Uh, you feel like it's crazy. Yeah. It was crazy. It's pretty. How inspiring, right? Yeah. I, I there's two, there's two for me when I see somebody's overconfident, I, there's two levels of my being that come one it's the jealousy part, like, God, they're so confident. Right. And that doesn't last long. Right. And then there's like, how did they get to that level of confidence and how can I, through my own process of understanding who I am, love myself enough to get to that level of confidence and why haven't I met this? You know, why, why am I not at that place at the age I'm at? Right. And so that, that, um, that's probably been a huge part of my spiritual path, you know, and um, I also, I don't know if this is correct about performers because I don't get on the stage and perform a lot, though I've been on the stage as an actress. Yeah. But I think when you love your why, like, why am I doing this? And it's like, you're a dancer or a singer and you're on stage the natural essence of you comes out and sometimes it might look like confidence, you know, because you've done it so much. And sometimes I think it's just because you're so connected to that why and that desire of what you're doing. Like you yeah. just love it so much and not everybody, not everybody, I don't think is going to have that experience in this lifetime without hard work. Yeah. And I bet you Alicia Keys works her ass off. I imagine oh, she does. She, yeah, she definitely does. But right. what the sense that I got from her, though, is that that was not like she has because everybody has their issues. But right. I don't think that it seemed to me anyway from the outside. And I could be totally wrong, but it seems like that's something she kind of nailed from the womb. And there's other things that she is. <laughs> I'm That's sure. The one. <laughs> you know what I also find interesting with actors and actresses, and I made a documentary about this one particular dancer off the stage, very humble, very <laughs> quiet, didn't say anything. But on the stage, she was a whole, like a completely different person. You wouldn't yeah. even know what was the person you saw backstage. Oh. You know, so I always find that interesting. I've also known from the acting world that a lot of actors will sometimes throw up before they get on stage because really? they get so nervous. Well, Jane Fonda has talked about this and, it, and I, one of the biggest fears in people's lives is talking on stage. It's it's written in books, right? And so I think as an actor, even before you go on stage, um, it's different in a book because you're not putting your face to it, right? But it's she said that she's like, you want all your chakras to line up, right? And so that you become the channel. I think it works as a writer, as a filmmaker, as you know, a musician. You want all the chakras to line up so this energy can be channeled through you. Right. Yeah. Like you want it, you, it's like the information or you could call it the muse is there, you know, to, to, to do, you know, you know, channeling through you to show the gifts that you're here to offer totally. to the world. Yeah. It's a lot of sense though, that people fear public speaking so much. So I'm just imagining this from like, just our kind of our reptilian brain. Like you put somebody on a stage and there's like thousands of people in front of them. I mean, you could say the wrong thing and quite literally you could be dead. I mean, if people oh, were yeah. angry enough at what you were talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> well, 
you, you know, Dave Stringer, the other, he's a, a another Bhakti Fest Kirtan artist. And one thing I remembered on a short documentary I made about him was that he used to have anxiety or I don't want to quote him exactly, but chanting. And he said, it wasn't until I understood to look at the people and to connect with them that he got out of the way of that again, you know, asking the biggest question of the why, why you're so passionate about the divineness of chanting the divine words, you know, of the bhakti. I mean, that's one way of saying it. Yeah. Like the ego gets out of the way and then the soul starts to unfold in all its, you know, um, it's messages, you know, and we're, we're all kind of trying to walk each other home at one level or not, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So what are you working on currently? Um, well, I'm always working on a lot of different things, but, um, I, I've been a, uh, diligent, um, student of yoga for a very long time. And, um, there's many pathways to yoga and many different, um, sectors to it. Uh, years ago, it's now about 12 years ago, I was initiated into a Shakti tradition, a, a Sri Vidya Tantra lineage. And that lineage, um, has a lot to do with wor worshiping Shakti, the divine feminine, the female, um, goddess. And it doesn't mean that the male energy isn't present. It's just as an essential for it. And so um, I had worked on this film for a while and I did, I went to India like three or four times feeling, I'm filming about um, like, who is the divine mother? Who is, who is the mother? And part of my seeking, I think was discovering it, trying to discover myself through it as well. Right. And I know it's it, a lot of Westerners travel to India um, seeking the Oh, go ahead. No, I muted myself. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay. I wanted to wait till you sneeze. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of uh, Westerners and people um, travel to India seeking, um, seeking consciousness, you know, seeking healing, seeking um, um, the discovery of who they truly are, you know, breaking down all the different masks that we have to wear. So in any event, so I've been working on this film um, and, you know, as an independent artist it, and working on a variety of different projects, I'd been to Africa. I was working on a film about regenerative farming. Um, I worked another two other document, three other documentaries. I made a documentary about ODC dance from India. Um, I made a documentary about musicians from, what from kind India. Of ODC dance. It's, it's a temple dance of India. Oh, okay. Yeah. And spell that. O-D-I-S-S-I. O-D-I-S-S-I. O-D-C dance. So originally, um, pre-British um, colonization, we'll call it, um, and also pre, the Muslims actually invaded India. Um, India is known for its extravagant culture and its um, deep, rich culture and its temples. I don't know if you've ever been to India, but the temples are beautiful. Oh. 
They're gorgeous temples. And so back in the days, they were these Devi Dasis. They were women dressed in the beautiful saris. And back then, some of them, they didn't even have tops on. I mean, they were, you know, it was like free, you know, there wasn't all this taboo against sex in the women's body. Everything was looked at as sacred, right? And so they would dance in the temples to the gods and goddesses, you know, and there's, you know, in the in the Indian mythology there's many gods and goddesses you know two main you know the shiva is considered like the male form god and there's shakti and then you have durga you know parvati you know you you chant the names so you understand and so these devi dasis would dance in the temples and they had these like very sacred dances and there's there's uh actually there's a few documentaries about it and books about it and then the british came in and they colonized it and they they took the dance and they they i don't know they um change it into a different art form. And so there are a lot of Westerners um, traveled to India to study the, these this ODC dance. It's a very, very sacred dance. You know, there's a lot of offering to the gods and it's like you're doing, I don't know if you know what a puja is. It's like a sacred, you know, Hindu ceremony. It's like doing a puja to the gods. And so you work with the elements like fire, air, water, and you move your hands in a certain way and you do certain mudras and the body moves in a certain way. And so anyways, I made a documentary um, about that. I also traveled to the border of Pakistan and lived in a village with the Langa musicians and made a documentary about that in India. So I've, I've done a lot of travel and, and met a lot of tribal communities, which is a passion of mine because I feel like with modernization and the cross-pollination of Western ideas coming into some of these Eastern um, countries that it's starting to water down some of this ancient wisdom, which I think is really potent right now. And people are really seeking this, this more earth-based tech, these earth-based technologies. And you can see it even in, in here in the United States, a lot more people are wanting to live off the grid, learning about regenerative farming and ecology and the biodiversity and how we can save that. Right. And that's a huge passion of mine. Right. And it's like, we're all trying to heal this disconnection from ourselves. But once, once you realize how connected you are to yourself you realize how you're connected to the earth and everything else mm -hmm. and then you start to serve that bigger energy so anyway so i i started making this documentary about seeking the mother and what the mother really is like this energy of the mother because i grew up in the united states and we had mother earth but it's a very patriarchal male dominated ideology and i grew up in a catholic family and the catholic church like had very little about the divine feminine and so i felt so disconnected from my own divine feminine and my own like even sexuality and and my own inner sacred feminine and i was probably living so disconnected and once I started realizing how sacred, you know, life is, and I am, um, I just kept going back to India and seeking the answers to these. So I'm actually um, working on two other projects. I'm going to go back to India um, this January, December, January, and February, and work on two other projects and all around um, the Tantra, the Divine Mother, um, the the sacredness of life the sacred odc dance um the, the the power of shakti um 
and you know there are temples like there's all these sacred temples in India these 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 uh, tantric ornate interesting taboo s temples there's one in Kadaraho which is uh, northern India and I don't know if you ever seen the pictures of 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 the women they're all you know naked women and in these body movements and all the temples were built like during a time of them or actual women oh actual women and men oh, it's okay. it's a these are tantric temples yeah okay. yeah um and beautiful sculpture temples that were built but there's it's like all sacred geometry orientated you know and the way they built some of the temples is that a man and woman can sit on this sacred geometry and do their breathing together and chant mantras like just ohm and the way it echoes in the room the way it was built it it it, vi it has a frequency and it vibrates and it opens up all the chakras so that the higher energies can come in and the ego starts to dissipate and then you start to feel this other like you call it the kundalini energy the sacred shakti start to move through the body and you sometimes you can have awakenings in in these situations and these type of temples still exist in india so um yeah that's, that's really a lot of information <laughs> yeah well i mean that's what we're here for um yeah. that yeah no i i really um i love hearing about this because i i started uh getting involved in this um kind of mary magdalene community i i, I took a little bit of a break but um for this for this one author that i'd been following for a while and one of the things that she brought to my attention which i guess i kind of knew but you know how you like know things and then you like know them again when you grow a little bit more is yeah. that you know we as a western culture especially i think we value so much like the written word and like the scholarly word but like there's so much history in the actual like culture when you start to actually talk to people and learn about what they believe in whatever that it's not that you can't get from a history book or you know whatever so it sounds like a lot of the conversations you're having are things that we couldn't maybe go on the internet and find out about or yeah it's funny you say that because in Kadaraho there's a man who who studied with Osho and I know he's kind of a well-known politically you know <laughs> a hunter teacher but he lives in Kadaraho and he's got hundreds of years of history so you when you go to these some of these temples and you meet these people you just be sitting there having a little chai and they tell you something that you can't you can't have that experience living in Los Angeles at Starbucks in Santa Monica you know you 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 and I mean I, I don't know about you I know you're it's you, your life is very homebound because you have children and travel is different um, you know, I'm independent female artist. So, but travel to me is is a way to evolve as a human being and venturing into different cultures teaches you so many different layers of humility, non-judgment, um, that we are, are, we're all connected. We all are the same, you know, and I know COVID did that for a lot of people. And then, you know, now we're on the like post COVID. So we're all moving back into our slots again. But I travel always says that to me, especially when you go to like a third world country and people live very menial, like they don't have the washer and dryer and the air conditioner, you know, they're going out to the fields and picking their food and cooking it that night. You know, it's, 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 it's a different, different mental acuity. 
And um, the word abundant, abundance and wealth is redefined by connection and community instead of dollar signs. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's been a, a huge lesson for me um, as an artist is, is how to weave through all that and stay true to myself, straight to the story and the art, but then live in a Western society where you really do have to be in it and you have to make money and you have to plan things, you know, very um, left brain type of mentality. You know, I, I like to be more on the right brain, but it, you know, you know, you, you have to balance the both. And so everything in the world is balanced. Like the male and female energies need to be balanced in the world. And I personally feel it's just from my perspective as an artist that well, there's a, there's an unbalance in our world right now. Yeah. You know, it's a very patriarchal masculine based type of world. Yeah. And um, I think there is this wave and this energy where people really want that balance it's like a soul like the collective soul calling and because I feel it I know I'm not alone because I keep you know meeting other people who see that in me and I see it in them and those are the people that I really desire to collaborate with on projects so I am collaborating collaborating with two other people um on two other film projects in India and continuing with my film on seeking the divine mother and the, the what is the divine mother and a collaboration look like in in that is it two other filmmakers or are they doing some other oh yeah good question um okay so the one collaboration are these um two women they're they're artists both of them are from the shakti tradition which is like worshiping the divine mother right it's a very female. So it's going to be, um, I think about 15 or 20 women. And we're going to be traveling to these female goddess temples and doing rituals and practices all about um, awakening the, the energy inside the body, clearing the blockages and seeing your body as divine and all of it, like your breast, your eyes, your vagina, which is called the yoni, your toes, right? Your, your mind, your consciousness, all as divine as being used in a positive and peaceful and loving way. And so, and I always felt when you get a group of women together, something happens, right? You know, it's just this weaving of that, that, that powerful Shakti energy. And then the other project is working with a, a, uh, a world-renowned tantric teacher who um, teaches from the Osho tradition. And this would be going to the temples of Kataraho and meeting with a guide, again, who I was telling you that's lived in Kataraho for um, his whole life and his family has. So he, he has channeled information and like a lot of a lot of the way they teach in India isn't books. So much is learned by just sitting around a fire and people telling you stories. It's very mythical story-based learning there, right? And um, and so who knows what information he's going to offer us on that. And so that will be a separate um, docu-series on, on that. It's such, it's, you know, I, they already did some filming of him pre-COVID and then COVID came. So, you know, very few people were traveling. So now I think everybody's like ready to like put their bootstraps on and get out there. 
And so it'll be interesting because I haven't been to India in four years because of COVID. And then prior to that, I went to Africa to work on a documentary in Zimbabwe and in um, in Kenya about regenerative farming and cattle grazing and biodiversity. Wow. So yeah. the same thing, right? It's all about the mother and about the earth and co-creating and how we're disconnected and the more we can stay connected. And I think, I, I feel like we're in a society too where that the, the pain is it's the collective pain. And it, it's like, you have your own personal pain. You have to, you know, heal in your life, you know, whether there, you know, whether it's like a death of a family member or a death of a relationship or a death of a part of yourself that's not working for you anymore. Right. Like when we were talking about confidence, like what blocks your confidence, it's usually a lack of self, right. It's usually self-worth. So you have to work on what are the blockages to your self-work. And when those parts of yourself start to die, there's pain. There is some level of pain with that, right? When other pet dies, you know, if your favorite tree dies, you know, whatever it can be, right? And so um, that's why I think community is so essential and, and um, music is so helpful in all of that. You know, a lot of, you know, you're a musician, you know how, helpful that is in your transformation and you have that beautiful healing voice that you know that uh, you know can transform somebody's day you know so yeah I okay so I, I have this like buzzing question because and I'm not sure yeah. how you feel about answering this but when you talk about the divine feminine and, and you hear we hear about the collective pain and stuff do how do you how do you think like the because there's, and I'm not sure if it's a trend that's emerging or if it's a trend that's just being kind of come out of the closet or whatever, of people who don't really identify with either, or they say that they don't with, you know, okay. woman or whatever, like, um, does, how does that factor into how you think about the divine feminine or like, how does that factor, I guess, into how you, you think about um, that topic? Okay. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting topic because yeah. um, I think this is this has been brewing for a while, and I think now that we're moving into like this post-technology, post-modern culture, like I don't even know what type of culture it is right now, and there's a lot of non-genders. Like my goddaughter's a non-gender; you can't, she's a she, but you can't say she. You have to say we. And I just was on Fire Island. It's very like um, gay community there and i loved it like i felt like oh that's my, my tribe right i love non-genders it's like my tribe and i also love just being a woman that's my tribe i love men that's my tribe right like it's all one however if you take away the physical body and you start to see everything as energy the body in, in yoga, right, which is union. Yoga means union. It means yoking with oneself, right? And so in the yoga system, in the tantra system, which is also tantra is about weaving, right? Many definitions. This is like a very simple definition. So the left side, the left side of the body is considered the female side, the right side is the masculine side. So every day, these energies are moving through you, right? So when it comes to divine feminine, women tend to be a little bit more in touch with their divine feminine mm -hmm. side. Doesn't necessarily mean that a man 
isn't, right? Right. And so the divine feminine is so, so easy. It's just about love. Right. That's it. It's so simple. It's the, it's the compassion. It's the empathy. It's the forgiveness. All spiritual practices and even religious practices, you know, because I practice Islam, Christianity, Judaism, Tantra, um, all of it, right? Everything is about love. I see you, you see me, right? But then the ego gets in the way, the anger gets in the way. Maybe, um, you know, for me, because of the way I was brought up, I like had little confidence. And that means I was a natural people pleaser and really bad with boundaries. And so, you know, I had to learn all of that. Right. And when I started learning it, like right now, I've been, I've been telling people, telling my friends, I was like, I don't even know if I'm spiritual anymore because I don't even know what spiritual actually means. Right. But I think it could be is being comfortable in an uncomfortable situation where maybe somebody has done something bad to you and you actually begin to forgive them right that would be very divine feminist and probably mary magdalene-esque mm. in a way you know and this this takes out the sex part the taboo part very simple very basic you know the divine but all this takes work you know everybody so many people i know and even you know by the uh, young people in their 20s and 30s, you know, are everybody's struggling with a sense of who am I? Why am I here? What are my gifts? How do I share them? You know, um, and the education system doesn't really promote that at all. <laughs> it's just, no, it's just it's, in fact, it's completely left brained. I mean, there is no right brain, mm -hmm. there is no value to having any sort of left right brain from what I gather anyway. Right, right. and it, that could be a whole other conversation why we have yeah. such a drug culture, like right. such a huge drug culture, you know, because you're just numbing that disconnection to who you truly are. And I understand what that feels like because, you know, I've, I've, I've had to struggle with that for a long time. Doesn't mean I don't, it's yeah. just, I have a different relationship with that part of myself. You know, again, it's like loving yourself unapologetic unapologetically because if you don't like who really is <laughs> <laughs> if we were all one that too would be considered divine feminine and there's so many aspects to it when you go to india you know it's it's all about the word and the offering and the temples and everything's divine you know um but you know life is complicated people are complicated everywhere mm. you know and so but I hope I answered your question about the divine feminine. Yeah, no, I just wanted to kind of know your take on it because I think that it's yeah. No, I've been I think about it all the time too, and I don't really have like I'm not even sure if that's my complete take because I was actually listening to a talk about the divine feminine today because I think there's many aspects to to the divine feminine like like say often in relationships because I've recently had this experience where you fall in love with a guy he falls in love with you and then things come up in the relationship you know whether they're like abandonment issues or self-confident issues and you usually because the woman is 
got that defined natural formula already in her. She wants to do the intimacy work around it. And the guy's like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> and he's got like, oh my God, I get that intimacy and vulnerability is like really hard for me. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not saying women don't have that issue either, but normally yeah. the female wants to go to that deeper soul level you know it's all like that's like second chakra into third chakra work you know that's that's the deepest work that's the the most transformative work you know so if people go to movies you know it's mm. to see that to see that type of um right that's why music is so important because it it could like tra can transform the soul right like the right voice the right note coming all together you know it just brings in all that information so um it's an interesting su subject the the divine feminine because and in these shakti lineages you're you're worshiping the divine mother the great mother you're worshiping this the shakti energy and shakti is just energy right it's just it's like create like my body's moving that's the shakti but my but the the container is what is considered like the masculine part right that's the grounding part that that holds the shakti so um such esoteric you know information uh i actually think some of this would be more important for kids to learn about these skill sets in school about understanding their multi-dimensional selves their body mind and soul right. but who doesn't teach it <laughs> i don't know well you know in india they do teach they do teach yoga in the young for the kids in school i worked with an orphanage in southern india i made another documentary about these orphan kids um in in india from the villages that um uh that lived in this uh how the uh, my friend had a orphanage for for um orphan kids mm -hmm. and um i went to the school with the kids and they were doing yoga so mm -hmm. they i met the yoga teacher so it's not that uncommon yeah you know? and i think even here in the united states there's alternative education i mean there's so much happening yeah 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 you know. uh, yeah i used to teach children's yoga actually interestingly enough that was one of my <laughs> one of my many iterations <laughs> of my life of teaching yeah yeah is a huge learning experience for me um but yeah yeah they, the kids naturally have presence awareness like they already are the yoga you know and i know in india that the what i was taught is the pituitary gland in children isn't full isn't fully developed or something like that so that's why they're able to have this uh, huge imagination and they can see things um, that we can't see as adults like they actually really do see the ghosts they actually really do see you know the the starships mm -hmm. and the aliens and everything and and they see their playmates really there and then once the pituitary gland starts to develop all that starts to diminish and then the ego develops mm -hmm. so by the time they're 12 or 13 in india they do a, a very uh, sacred puja as an initiation because once the ego starts to develop and it's another threshold of understanding the human like who you are as a human because you have to have the ego because in some ways it's kind of like the shadow part you have to understand the duality of everything um so wow that's neat that's something our culture's missing too is sacred rites of passage sacred rites of passage yeah that's all these earth-based you know ancient 
uh, rituals. And that's, that's, that's what we're lacking, I think, is rituals too, you know, and, that, and that's why I think these festivals have really popped up in the last 10, 15 years, and people are looking for rituals and community and a way to be connected, you know, you know everything's about connection you know, connect, connecting to the tree, connecting to yourself, connecting to your kids, you know, um, yeah. Well, that is a great segue into my last question for you here is that, can you share how we can connect with you? How do we get to see all of these wonderful documentaries that you've made? Oh, well, um, I have a website and it's, uh, Romansky films like Roman R O M A N S K I films.com. And you can learn about my filmmaking and my photography and yeah. Yeah. Is that the best way to kind of follow? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have an Instagram, I have a TikTok, I, I'm on Facebook, um, but you can find all that on my website. Yeah. 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 Cool. It was so nice catching up with you, Julianne. Yeah. Thank you so much for welcome for, for do this. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah, have a great day and um, keep keep doing the good work. I'm I'm excited to see more of the stuff you've made or that you're about to complete. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please remember to like, rate, subscribe, whatever your service offers you as a way to engage and let others know that you're enjoying it so it gets shared with more people. For all news updates on what I am doing, you can go to my website, portersinger.com, sign up for my mailing list and get a free track as a thank you. All right. I will see you in the next episode. Bye.